guys look really good today. You really do. You're all happy. You're all Christmassy. Got, you can see God in your hearts. Now, uh, I was praying, this is a while back, but God, and I wasn't preaching during this time, and God dropped in my spirit this message. And I believe he laid this on my heart to help not only me, but the body of Christ. All right? And the title of it, if you are taking notes, is Dancing with the Devil. Yeah, I know. Don't hate me afterwards. Dancing with the Devil. Now, I know we all know how to dance, and we know the definition for dance. But to help me lay the foundation, I'm going to say, I'm going to give you the definition, the foundation of the message. Uh, dance means that we are following step by step a series of rhythmic and patterned movements that has been laid out for us. We'll say it again. We are following step by step a series of rhythmic and patterned movements that has been laid out for us. Let's say that you and I have been invited to go watch Dancing with the Stars. Let's say we've been invited there. Not that I watch it, really don't care that much for it, but it is so perfect. They are so perfect. Now, what has happened to make Dancing with the Stars so perfect? Hours and hours of practice. Hours and hours of studying that person, who you are dancing with, to get everything choreographed, managed, maneuvered, so that that person knows your every move. They know it before you're even going to make it. They know your every move. So we're talking about dancing with the devil today. Do you see where I'm going here? Oh, yeah. So we need to find out what happens. How do we dance with the devil? Well, in Genesis, the third chapter, the first verse says this. Now, we're going to be talking a little bit about Eve today. So bear with me. You're going to glean a lot from this message. Uh, Genesis 3.1 says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Now I'm going to stop right there because we're going to go into that scripture later on. But why I'm stopping there is I want you to see the word subtle. And you probably all know what it means. But it means he's more cunning, he's more crafty, and he's more shrewd than any uh, beast of the field that God made. And you and I know that. We know he's cunning, but I believe, Christians, I believe he is more cunning today than he has ever been with, when he was uh, with Adam and Eve. I believe he is more cunning today than when he was with Adam and Eve. And you say, well, why would you say that? Because just like dancing with the stars, he's had years and years of practice. Years and years of practice of studying and dealing with the human race, watching us, how we react to different situations that he puts in our life, different hindrances, problems that he puts in our life. He sees our weaknesses and he takes advantage of them. He discovers our faults and when he discovers a fault in you, he'll lay a trap for you. He'll lay it out so that we become ensnared in that trap. Now, his temptation of Eve was his first occasion. First occasion of dealing with mankind, see? That's why I'm saying he's a lot more cunning now than he was back then. Because you and I know 
that if we're doing something for the first time, it's not our best. It's not our best. For example, <laughs> you're going to laugh at this. When Pastor and I first kissed each other, seriously, it was horrible. <laughs> horrible. And if I would have based our relationship on that kiss, well, we wouldn't be married today. Because it was horrible. It really was. But what did I do? The goodness of, out of the goodness of my heart, I gave him a second chance. Shouldn't have done that. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. What about pastor's message? It was five, the first message he ever taught was five minutes long, right? That, he'll tell you that. But now it's an hour and sometimes over, you know. <clears throat> but we all get long-winded when we get up here. Now, I'm not trying to give the devil credit. Please know this. But since Adam and Eve, he has honed his skills. Honed his skills, and the devil is not open to letting you know who he is or how he works until it's too late. Because what the Bible say, he is subtle. He's cunning. He's crafty. He's shrewd in deceptions. Now, I got a two-minute video that I want to show you, and this is how the devil works in our lives. Watch it. Yes, man cub. So nice to see you again. <laughs> oh, go away. Leave me alone. Let me look at you. You don't want me to look at you? Then you look at me. No, sir. I know what you're trying to do, cop. You do? Uh, I mean, you don't trust me. No. Then there's nothing I can do to help. You want to help me? Certainly. I can see to it that you never have to leave this jungle. How could you do that? Hmm? Oh, I have my own subtle little ways. <laughs> but first, you must trust me. I don't trust anyone anymore. I don't blame you. I'm not like those so-called fair-weather friends of yours. You can believe in me. Yes. That's exactly what the devil wants you to do. He wants to believe that he has something better for you. That he has something good for you. See, Mowgli wanted to stay in the jungle because he didn't want to go be with humans. He wanted to stay in the jungle. And he said, oh, I'll make a way for that to happen. Yeah, he's going to eat him. That's the way he could stay in the jungle. Then he becomes defecation. Yeah, that's the way he could stay in the jungle. So see what the devil promises you. Honey, is not what you're going to get. It is not what you're going to get. Now, anyone who wants to deceive someone or to lure someone into deception must make themselves look different than who they are, just like the snake. Oh, trust me. Believe in me. I'll take care of you. That's the devil. That's his words. That's the way he does it. And please know this. I am not glorifying this man that I'm going to tell you about, but how many of you remember Ted Bundy? 
Almost all of us in here knows Ted Bundy. He was described as a charming, good-looking, articulate, and intelligent man. But really, who was he? He was a serial killer. He was a rapist. He was a burglar. He was a necrophiliac and who assaulted and murdered numerous young women. And he would pretend to be injured, and he would ask them, oh, come and, come and help me. You know, my arm's broke. Can you help me lift this or whatever? And they felt sorry for him. And so they would come and help him, and then that's when he would abduct them. Listen, he deceived them by luring them into a false sense of security. And that's exactly what the devil does to us. He just lures us in with all of his tempting thoughts, all of his enticing thoughts. He lures us right in. Now in Genesis 2.8, it says, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. And of course you know that he made Eve out of Adam's rib. We're just kind of going through this. And brought her to Adam and she became his wife. Now, basically, Adam and Eve, think about it. They had it made. They had it absolutely made. They had everything they could ever ask for. They had the perfect home which was the Garden of Eden. They had all the food they could ever want or they could ever eat. They walked in divine health. And they had each other. Not like it is today in marriage. Not like it is today where you're fighting and you're bickering and you're having all these problems. Oh, no. They had each other. They had peace. They had unity. They had no problems. Then in Genesis 2, 16 and 17, it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thou all, there, thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now that word die didn't mean that you're going to die a natural death. It meant you're going to die, you're going to be separated from God. So you're going to die a spiritual death. You're going to be separated from God. Then, now to get to the point, in Genesis 3, 1 through 6, it says, Now the serpent was more subtle mm -hmm, than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made, and he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, Oh, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said ye shall not eat of it. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day that you eat thereof, your eyes are going to be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, pleasant to the eyes, a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit and did eat and gave also to her husband with her, and he did eat. Now, I want you to see something here. Eve was confronted with suggestive, enticing, and tempting thoughts, just like you and I. Every day we come across these thoughts. Every day. There's not one of us in here that the devil doesn't suggest something to or entice us with, or tempts us. Must be my hair. Tempts us with something. 
Do you realize this? <clears throat> so it's just like you and I. See, she saw the tree was good for food, lust of the flesh. She saw it was pleasant to the eyes, the lust of the eyes. Uh, it was a tree to make her wise, for gaining knowledge, experience, and wisdom. That's the pride of life. If you need me to have another mic, I can, because I don't like the way it goes boom, boom, boom. Okay, so now see, Eve wanted to determine for herself what was good and what was bad. Now, but the devil, look at this, the devil started putting doubt in her mind when he said, you shall not surely die. What was that? That was putting doubt that God's word wasn't true. Now, I'm going to paraphrase here, but I'm sure the devil was saying things like this. I'm here to tell you the truth. I'm here to tell you the truth. And you know the devil can't tell you the truth because he's a liar. He's the father of lies. And he, I'm here to tell you the truth. God's holding out on you. You can't trust him. If you eat of the tree, you will be like God. Then you really won't need him to tell you what to do or what not to do because you're going to be so smart. You're going to be just like God. Now, does that sound pretty tempting? Yeah, it does. It does. So what did she do? She began to doubt the word of God. She began to doubt. Oh. <laughs> okay. Thought the devil grabbed me from behind. Wait a minute. Okay, just pull it out. No, just pull it out. All right, we got it. Okay. Uh, so she began to doubt the consequences of God's word. When the devil said, he shall not surely die, that's when she doubted. Okay, so I won't die. I probably won't die. You know, and this is how Satan undermines our faith. He plants seeds of doubt against the word of God, and what do we do? We dance with him. We dance with him. We listen to him just like Eve did. Now, Eve could have rebuked him, and she could have walked away, but she didn't. She's just like you and I. What do we do? We listen to the lies of the devil. He puts these tempting thoughts in our head, and they go around here, and they play a while because they say that our mind is the devil's playground if we let it, but she didn't. So now I want you to see how easy that Satan deceived Eve. Think about it. God became a liar. God became a liar, and the devil became a truth teller. You know, let me tell you. Let me show you. Oh, no. You know, so God became a liar, and we know God's not a man that can lie, but the devil became a truth teller. Hmm. One of the, one of the steps or, or one of the ways that the devil, well, let me go back here. One of the devil's steps of dance or strategy is the devil wants us to act on his deception and not on God's truth. Now, the most effective way that the devil has of getting us to dance with him is he blinds us. He really blinds us to his evil ways. Because when we think of a thought, or the thought the devil brings this thought to our mind, he will say all kinds of things to not make it sound bad. And he'll say all kinds of things to you. And what he does, he causes us to focus. Think of this, Christians. He causes us to focus on ourselves. Yeah. What did Eve do? She focused on herself. Because how is this food going to benefit me? Oh, this food's really going to benefit me. 
And that's what she was thinking. Now, in 2 Timothy 3, 1 and 2, it says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. What did Eve focus on? She focused on herself. What are these men focusing on? Themselves. That word perilous means, and do you believe it's the last days? Do you believe we're living in the last days? Absolutely. I do too. So it says perilous times shall come. What does perilous mean? It means dangerous. It means hazardous times shall come. My sister, I just talked to her about three nights ago, and she said, uh, the street that I live on, there's a little girl down at the end of the street. She's 12 years old. She said she's been to my house many times, and she said she went to her dad's because I guess her dad and her mother were divorced. And so she went over to her dad's in a little town with 200, about 200 people in it and got abducted. Yeah, and so they had, you know, this prayer thing for her and all this, and they found her almost ready to go over the border with this guy, the Mexican border. Yeah, so he was going to take her over there, sell her. It's sex trafficking, you know. And um, I just got a thing on my phone, on Facebook the other day about sex trafficking. They're now taking women 50 and on up. And I'm thinking, dear God, why are they taking, I, I did, I went to God. I said, why are they taking women 50 and up? So it's not safe to be in a mall. And I'm not trying to scare you. This is the way the devil works. It's not safe to be in a mall by yourself. It's not safe to go to the grocery store by yourself. He wants to bring fear into your life, but. So when I was praying and I was asking God about this, he, was, he just put in me that there's one, um, how do I explain this, that men, they are catering to one sect of men, S-E-C-T, you know, sect of men. They're catering to one sect of men, but now there's another group of men that is more perverse probably than them that's coming up, and they've got to, they've got to cater to them too. So, what happens? They want the mommy image. Isn't that sick? They want the mommy image. That's what God was giving me, telling me. They want the mommy image. And there's some guys that never had a mother. So, they want that. I don't even want to discuss that. But anyway, that's what I believe God was showing me. But this is how warped society has become. And how, oh my goodness, the devil just works in everybody to bring perversion into their life. Now, 2 Timothy 3, 4 says that they'll be lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. And that word pleasures means the enjoyment or the satisfaction derived from what is to one's liking, gratification, or delight. Do we realize, Christians, that 8 out of 10 Christian men nowadays are into internet porn? Do we realize that? I don't think we do. They've got beautiful wives, beautiful families, but they're into internet porn because they would rather have this image and be able to please themselves. So they're pleasing themselves, and they're lovers of themselves. Now women are getting into internet porn. Oh, yeah, they're, they're not as bad, but they're, you know, the devil will bring it about. Now let's look at the steps of the dance that the devil has laid out for us. And we're going to go by what he did with Eve. So whatever she had to confront and face, that's what we do as well. So <clears throat> the first step in temptation, and it's temptation, is the thought 
that the devil puts in our mind or uh, the thought or the suggestion that we are missing out on something that's going to benefit us. That's what the devil's all about. And that God's word is causing us to miss out on this. You know, if you wasn't a Christian, you could do this. If you wasn't a Christian, you could do that. Oh, my goodness. Why are you letting him control you? See, that's the devil. And he puts these thoughts and he puts these suggestions in our minds. The second step in temptation that she had to deal with, and so do we, is entertaining and harboring and discussing those thoughts within our own mind. Maybe you're thinking about having an affair. You know, devil comes at all of us with different things. Maybe you're thinking about having an affair with a, with a woman. Uh, and, and, you know, you just start thinking about that. Oh, my, how great it would be. Oh, she's awesome. She's this. She's that. My wife is a dud. D-U-D spell one way and D-U-D spell back, you know, the other way. But, but anyway, and the thoughts of having an affair with another woman or the thoughts of having an affair with another man. Oh, you know what? I married this guy and he is, no, this is what, you know, the devil will bring to you, thoughts. I married this guy and he is a dud and I just need to go with this guy over here. He's really good looking and I see that he likes me and I just need to go with this guy over here because, you know, I just married the wrong person. No, no, that's the devil. That is the devil putting things into your head that you're better off marrying somebody else. No, you just marry a different set of problems. And I've told you that for years. You just marry a different set of problems. So when you're dancing with the devil or you're sinning, it actually starts when we allow those thoughts that are in our mind that we've been thinking about and that's been running around in our head to take root. And when they take root, because then, see, God and his word is being rejected, being totally rejected. The third temptation that Eve had to go through was involves doubt, which we talked about. Doubting the consequences of God's word, not believing God. Christians sometimes were the same way, and you know it. We've all had an apple out of that sack, right? <laughs> it's what Brother Shambach used to say. We've all had a bite out of that apple. But sometimes we don't take God's word seriously. But I'm telling you, Pastor said it, I think Nicole said it, all these people. Listen, God is not a man that he can lie. If he tells you something, he's going to do exactly, exactly what he says, and he's not going to lean to the right or left. It doesn't matter. He's going to do exactly what he says. Now, Eve allowed her mind to think about what the devil said to her or what he promised her. Look at little Mowgli up here. He was listening. You mean I, I, you can get me, you know, to stay in the jungle? Because he didn't want to go with the men and women out there in the village. He wanted to stay in the jungle. See, and this is what the devil does. Now, if the devil, see, he, he, it sounded good what the devil was saying to her and what he promised her. But really, if the devil had told her the truth, here's how it would have went. Now, if you eat of this fruit, Eve, this is what's going to happen. You're going to lose everything that you have. Poverty is going to come to your, to your life. Hatred, violence, and misery is going to be in your family and generations on down, and there will be an injustice brought into the world. But no, he's the father of lies. He's not going to tell you the truth. So no, if it sounds so good, 
Church, it's not the truth. It's not the truth. And that is always the appeal of sin. Always, because it sounds so good. Oh, he's promised me this. I'm promised this. I prom That's the appeal of sin. And it's always going to be there. Then when the devil said it's a tree to make you wise, one wise, see, now us Christians deal with this. I'm going to be honest with you. A tree to make one wise, the thought of position. I'm going to get close to them so I can have a position. Oh, I'm going to get close to them because then I will look powerful in the people's eyes. Oh, and, and if this, it's going to give me strength. It's going to give me self-sufficiency. And I'm going to make my own destiny. Whether God's making it or not, they're kicking the door down. I'm going to get through there, and I'm going to get close as I can to whoever is going to make me feel important. No. No. Don't. You know? And then, you, you know, he told her that she would be his God, you know, and think like God. The fourth step in temptation and sin is looking, desiring, and lusting. Looking, desiring, and lusting. Now, if you don't get anything else out of this message, I want you to get this. The power of Satan is a limited power. You say, well, how's that, Pastor Phelps? Well, he is. He can only tempt you. He cannot make you sin. He cannot make you sin. You sin when you're drawn away of your own lust. So the devil cannot make you sin. He has a limited power. He can tempt you all he wants, but he cannot make you sin. You do that on your own. Amen. James 1.12 says this. Blessed. Oh, you are so blessed. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. You stand against it. You fight against it. You say, no, devil, I'm not doing that. Blessed is the man. So in other words, I would, I would look back at that. What, would you be cursed if you're not? Hmm. Two sides to that story. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. We're going to receive a crown of life. 1 John 2.16 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, I don't know, hey, they are putting this up, good. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of who? The Father, but is of the world. It's not of the Father. And we know 1 Peter 5.8, we're very familiar with that scripture but it's telling the Christian to be on the alert because the devil's not playing tag with you. <laughs> Come on, you're it. You're it. No, he's not playing tag with you. The, he isn't. He's out, you know, to kill and destroy. He's out to devour us. He's out to destroy us. He hates everything we stand for, everything we do. And if we are not trained by the Word of God to know and to recognize the devil and his tactics, we will fall right into step with what he wants us to do, and we will dance with the devil. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. We will dance with the devil. So this is why the devil is making us all aware. He's making us aware of his tactics. It's, it's good. Get it in here. Get it in here. 
Eve listened to the words of the devil, and what did she do? She goes and convinces her husband to disobey God, and they lose everything. They lose everything. Sort of sounds like us sometimes, doesn't it? Now, I'm not saying any of you, but one spouse will convince the other spouse, like Dr. O was just talking about, you know, the tithe. Oh, it's okay, honey. We don't have to tithe. We really don't have to tithe. Yeah, the word says you have to tithe. Bring ye the tithe into the storehouse. Are we going to believe the word? Or are we going to believe our spouse? No, no. And then, uh, it's, it's, so then they'll say, oh, we can miss church. We can miss church. Uh, if we get there maybe once a month or twice a month, we're okay. We can miss church because God knows. God knows. What does he know? That you're working? That you're laying in bed sleeping? No. We, God wants us to not forget to assemble ourselves into the house of the Lord. And then someone will say, honey, it's okay. It's okay to drink with me some beer. It's okay or it's okay to go to the bar with me and we can have a glass of wine. No, it's not. Or, okay, you can tell a little lie, no biggie. You told a little lie, no biggie. Now, why I'm saying that is when you go back into sin, and I've reiterated this again, you will lose everything, everything. I know two people right now that I could name you that has lost everything. But here's, here's what happened. They had an 80, one of them had an $80,000 a year job. Mm -hmm. Had a beautiful home, beautiful wife, spouse, whatever you want to say. They had peace in their home. They had uh, happiness. They were fulfilling God's call on their life. But they got into sin. And they lost their $80,000 a year job. And here in Ohio, that's good money. Might not be in New Jersey, but it is here in Ohio. They lost their job. They lost their home. They lost their beautiful wife. They, they have no peace. They have no happiness. And they are absolutely miserable. Miserable. But see, the devil promises you all these things of the world. This is what you're going to get. This will fulfill you, you know. Now... 1 Corinthians 5, 6 says this. The Bible says a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Now, if you don't know what leaven is, it's talking about sin. Leaven is like a yeast. You use just a little bit of yeast, and it'll just take over. It consumes everything. That's the way sin is. Just a little bit, a little lie, not going to church, not tithing, going out drinking with your spouse or whatever, it will just take over. It consumes everything. <clears throat> I like to use the example of foam insulation. All of you guys know about foam insulation. You have that little can, and you got that little straw. You put that little straw in that can, and if you find a hole somewhere, you take that little bit of insulation, and you spray it in, in that hole, and it goes, Poof! I mean, it just comes out all over. You're taking a razor blade and trying to get off all that excess. But, honey, once you get into that sin, it's going to consume you, all right? And it takes over your life. Now, God expects us to live, <clears throat> God expects our lives, sorry, to be clean. He does. But he's not trying to command, demand, or rule 
over you. He's trying to protect you and I, trying to protect us. Because if you have leaven or sin in your house or your lives, the seal of the blood will not keep the devil out. It won't. And you start out with a little lie, a little drink, a few sexual thoughts, adulterous thoughts. It gets easier and easier to disobey God's word. Pretty soon, you've backslidden and you don't even know it. You don't even know it. Now, maybe your boyfriend or your girlfriend says, it's okay to sleep with me. It's okay. We're in love, and we're going to get married. We love each other, and God knows, and God understands. He's all about love. No, he doesn't understand, because he doesn't understand this kind of love, because it's against his word. Christians, don't dance with the devil. The Bible says if we commit fornication, you're going to go to hell. That's exactly what it says. You say, oh, Pastor Phyllis, you're being so hard. No, I'm not being hard. It's the word of God. Galatians 5.19 says, now the works of the flesh are manifest, or the works of the flesh are made known. Which are these? Adultery. It's not up there. Fornication. Uncleanness. Lasciviousness. Idolatry. Witchcraft. Hatred. Hating your brother, your sister, anyone. Variance, emulations, wrath, being angry. Strife, causing all kinds of problems. Uh, strife, uh, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of the which I tell you that they that do such things, still, that's okay, shall not, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. They that do such things, what? Shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So is it my words? No, it's God's words. God's words. So do we think it's okay to disobey God's word? Absolutely not. Now, how many of you were here when Rick Burke taught in the church? Oh, so there is a lot that wasn't here. Rick Burke told a story. Now, Rick Burke is our uh, other campus pastor from Dayton, Ohio. And he drives an hour every Sunday here and an hour back or 50 minutes. I'm not for sure exactly what the time thing is. Drives an hour here and an hour back because of this. He said that he was with his pastor in Dayton. And his pastor said, hey, uh, Rick, we're, we're going to have a convention and if you want to come to this convention, there's a hotel right, right where the convention's going to be. And if you want to come, now he was dating Lynn at that time, his wife. And he said, and if you want to come, he said, you can get a hotel over there. He said, you don't have to get it in the convention area. He said, you know, he was trying to hide it. But, and you can bring Lynn. What is that saying? Oh, my goodness. We are to watch out for your souls. Dear Lord, what is going on with pastors? What is going on with these lukewarm churches? I have no idea. We're to watch out for your soul. When you fall in a ditch, we're supposed to go and we're supposed to grab you and we're supposed to pull you out. Lift you up. He was putting him in the ditch. Oh my goodness. If a sheep gets maggots on it, you know what a shepherd is supposed to do? And you guys are called sheep in the Bible. 
they take that sheep, they throw it down, they shear all of its wool, whatever, shave, all of its wool off. They take, and because the maggots will burrow themselves under the skin, see, they get in your life. Sin gets in your life, and it burrows into the skin, and you take all that wool off, you take an insecticide, yeah, an insecticide, and you put on that animal, and you try to get as much as you can on it, and then you take and you put the oil or the some kind of comforting lotion on that, ship, that sheep. That's what the shepherds are supposed to do. My goodness, it hurts my heart to know that pastors are telling their congregation, oh, you can go. You can go over here in this hotel. It hurts my heart. Now, uh, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. This isn't a story that pastor wanted me to tell you, but I'll tell you a quick story. I was out here shaking hands one Sunday morning, and when I can, I do, but if I can't, I don't. And I was out here shaking hands, and a lady come up to me, and she said, Pastor Phyllis, will you pray with me? I said, well, sure, honey, I'll pray with you. I won't do that again. <laughs> I won't say that again until I ask what it's about. And she said, uh, I said, well, honey, what's it about? She said, will you pray that my boyfriend comes back? And immediately, God dropped in my spirit. She's sleeping with that, that boyfriend. And I said, honey, are you sleeping with him? I just flat out asked her. She said, yeah. I said, then I won't pray with you that your boyfriend comes back. I said, because now you've got it right with God. We're supposed to have it right with God. I didn't say that to her, but I said, now you got it right with God, and I'm going to pray that that boyfriend comes back in your life and you start sleeping with him again? That's going to send your soul to hell. Don't you realize that? She said, how dare you call yourself a pastor? She said, how dare you call yourself a pastor? I can't believe this. A pastor's supposed to pray with me. They're supposed to agree with me. I said, I will not pray with you or agree with you to send your soul to hell. I'm sorry, honey, but I won't. And she said, well, I'm leaving this church and I'll never be back. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. So God, see, in these words, God says it's better to marry than to burn. Marry the guy. Well, he won't have her. He's had his pleasure, and he's fun, and he's gone, okay? So she was what? Dancing with the devil. Yeah, we cannot dance with the devil, church, and go to heaven. Now, don't let your spouse, don't let your boyfriend, don't let anyone convince you to disobey God's word and sin. Say, no, I'm not going to the bar and drinking with you. No, I'm not lying for you. No, I'm not watching porn with you. I'm not going to do it. Don't follow in the devil's footsteps. Because when you do that, you are. You're dancing with the devil. Now, we're not going to get into a lot of the thing, but let's look at a few people that danced with the devil. We won't get into a lot of their story. I don't even know what time. Oh, dear. We'll blame it on Dr. O. We'll say he took too much time. We love you, Dr. and Lori. We just like to, I just like to tease you. But anyway, okay. Uh, Genesis 19, 15, and 17, talk about Lot's wife, and we'll do it quickly. Remember, a cry went up to the Lord because Sodom and Gomorrah was so evil. And the Lord sent angels 
because he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And we won't go through, you know, the, them having to face all that they did the night before. They spent the night, and then it says, and then, or, and when the morning, when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, he was like, hurry up, come on, Lot, let's go, let's go. Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city, or the sin of the city. And it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, Escape for thy life. Look not, look not behind thee. Listen, Christians, don't look at the world. Don't look back at the world and think, oh man, I want that. I need that. No, no. He said, uh, look not behind thee, neither stay in the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. But what did his wife do? What did she do? She, in 26, verse 26, she looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. The wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. In other words, she died. She died. She disobeyed the word of God, and she died. Listen, Lot's wife didn't take the commands of the angel seriously. Just like sometimes we don't take the word of God seriously. It's for everyone else, but it's not for us. It's for everyone else, but it's, it just doesn't apply for, uh, to us. That's what people think. Now, those angels had just come straight from God. And they were bringing God's word to Lot and his wife. But she didn't listen. She didn't listen. Okay, let's look at Samson. <clears throat> He had a lack, we all know Samson, he really loved Delilah. And he had a lack of self-control, or he was lusting after one or the other. And uh, he was physically strong, we all know that, but he was morally weak, and he could not fight his lust. But I will say this, he could fight his lust. He didn't choose to fight his lust. He didn't want to fight his lust. And so his lust and passion just gripped his heart for Delilah, gripped his heart. And what did it do? It blinded him to the commandments and the call of God that was on his life. He had lived such a permissive lifestyle so long that he became insensitive to God. He became insensitive to him. And so Samson chose something of the world over God. What happened? He paid a price. I mean, I would not have wanted to pay that price to be able to slept with somebody. Oh, my goodness. When we get into sin, see, there's consequences to pay. And they gouged out his eyes. You know that. They shackled him. They put him in prison. And they forced him to grind grain. And you know the story of Samson. But Samson's constant challenge was what God told him not to do. Not to do. Now, what does God tell us not to do? It's written down for us right here. It's all written down. All we have to do is read it. That's all we have to do is read the Word of God. And we have to die to the ways of the world. And you say, Pastor Phyllis, how can I break free of the flow of the dance? How can I break free of this? Well, there's two responses to the devil. You can do nothing and dance with the devil. Or, and go to hell. Or, you can prepare and fight to break free. Now, let me ask you this. If a serial killer, say that Ted Bundy, captured you, 
and put you in a room and tied you up. He bound you, tied you up, and left you there. He had to go do something real quick. You didn't know how long he was going to be gone. You didn't know. What would you do? Would you fight? Would you fight to get loosed? Would you do everything in your power to get loose from that serial killer? Who is the devil? He's a serial killer. He's a serial killer. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. We've got to get loosed from him. Now, these things that I'm going to share with you are absolutely necessary and essential, essential and necessary in order to conquer your temptation. And I know that you know all these. But it's just good to re, re put it, you know, put it back in you. Romans 12, 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we renew our mind? With the word of God. We renovate and we tear down that old man. Our old thinking, our old reactions, what we would have done when we were sinners, we tear that down and we put in the new man, which thinks the way that God thinks. So the Word of God will change your nature, your character, your thoughts, and your actions. Why is God so concerned? You say, Pastor Phyllis, about our minds, because that's where the battle is. That's where the battle starts. And what is conceived in the mind is carried out by the whole body. Now, so we have to discipline our minds. Meditate on the Word of God. I'm telling you, if you will do 15 to 20 minutes a day, get your cup of coffee and start reading the Word of God right in the morning. Do it the first thing, and then it won't become burdensome to you. You know, because you're going to have your coffee anyway, and you're probably going to sit and watch the news. So, or your tea, whatever you might like. But, <clears throat> so we have to discipline our minds and take inventory of our thoughts. Think. Like every day, I think, now have I, this is what I do, seriously. I think, have I hurt anyone today? Have I said anything about someone today? Have I done this? Have I done that? And, and I apply that to my life, and then I pull down, if the devil gives me, tries to tempt me with anything, I pull down those vain imaginations. I pull them down. Now, Joshua 24, 15 says this, choose today whom you will serve. And you say, well, Pastor Phyllis, I've already chosen. I'm a Christian. Yes, you are. But you need to start taking the lead in your life. Make a choice. I'm not having an affair. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to hate my brother and sister. I'm not going to steal. I make a choice not to sin. That's what we got to do. Now I'm going to tell you another story. I was in Cincinnati Mall. Uh, this is probably about a month ago. I was helping a friend of mine find a wedding dress. So I went, and we went in the store. Well, I saw some things right away that I wanted, and I purchased them. And then I went on to help her find her wedding dress. So we got into the, the uh, room where you try it on, and I'm sitting there. And, I, you know, women like to play with it. They like to see their stuff they bought, and they like to play with it, you know. So I got in there, and I'm looking at my stuff, and all of a sudden I pull out my receipt. And the lady had cheated herself out of 70-some dollars. Yeah, 70-some dollars. So now immediately I said, oh, my goodness, she cheated herself out of 70-some dollars. <laughs> you know what the devil said? He jumped right on this shoulder. He said, look, this place overcharges on everything. 
You need to just keep that money, stick it in your pocket. Listen, you deserve it. You deserve that. You haven't shopped all summer. You deserve that. Now, that's what he said. And then the other thought come to me, the God thought. And he was like right here. And, you know, you've heard the saying, what would Jesus do? Honest to God, that was the thought that come to me. What would Jesus do? I said, I know what Jesus would do. Jesus would take it right back, and that's what I did. But that's not all of it. So that happened in the morning or, you know, maybe 11 o'clock or so. And so we were walking down through the, the mall, and I said, hey, I got to stop and get me a thing of makeup. So she said, okay. So we went in this little store, and I bought me this $13 tube of makeup, $13. So we go, we go down into the restaurant, because now we're hungry. We've shopped till we, we've starved ourselves to death, you know. <laughs> Not really. But we shopped, and now we want to get some food so we can refuel. So we can shop some more. So we go down. We go down the restaurant. We're eating, and there I'm waiting on our check after we got done eating. So, you know me, I get my little bag to look at my makeup that I purchased. Sure enough, I get down in there, there's two makeups in there. Two. I'm thinking, how in the world is this happening? How's this happening to me? And uh, so, our feet was hurting so bad. And I, so, I told my friend, I said, okay. I said, this is what happened. I said, now immediately, the devil said this. Mall cop's going to get you. Oh, yeah, they're going to prosecute you because you've got a receipt for one, but you don't have a receipt for the other. Now, that's what he said, trying to bring fear into my life. And I said to this friend, I said, do you think they would prosecute me for $13? She said, well, I wouldn't think so. I said, well, I'm taking it back. I don't care if they do. I'm taking it back. And our feet was, oh, we were walking like this, you know. So I take it all the way back to the other end of the mall. I go in. Now, you listen how good God is. I go in. There's a woman standing right here, and I knew she, I mean, she wasn't a Christian. And so I took it up to her, and I said, honey, this is what happened. I ended up with two in my bag. I don't know how it happened, but I only paid for one. I have my receipt. She said, do you realize no one would have brought that back? No one would have brought that back. She said, I can't believe you brought that back. She said, now this, I'm telling you, she pointed her hand up to heaven, and she said, somebody's testing you. Yes, somebody's testing you. So I thought that was good. James 4, 17 says, therefore to him, to me, that knoweth to do good, and to do with it not, to him it is a sin. See, I knew to do good. I knew to take it back. But it, it would be a sin if I wouldn't have. And, of course, I just want to see the time. Okay. Well, I'll just say this. Matthew 4, 1 through 11. You know, when Jesus was in the wilderness, he fasted for 40 days, 40 nights. And you know how the devil tempted him. And all he did is he spoke the word. It is written. But, honey, you got to know the word before you can speak the word to a temptation, okay? Now, so I'm just saying that. I've got more, but we'll move on. And then the next step is to judge yourself every day. 1 Corinthians 11:31 says, For if we judge ourselves, we will not be judged. Examine. Examine yourself every day. 
And then he says in Lamentations, he says, let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. Now this is saying, let's look at our heart. Let's look at it every day and what we are doing. Let's see if it's right with the Lord. And if it isn't, get it right with the Lord. So judge yourself. And I will say this, don't lie to yourself. Listen, God knows. He knows. Don't lie to yourself because we can lie to ourselves, and I can say, well, I don't hate her or I don't hate him. And when you walk by him, you can't hardly stand to go near them. What is that? That's hate. That's unforgiveness. You can't have hate, unforgiveness, stuff like that in your heart. So be, listen, man looks on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. That's what he says. So don't lie to yourself. Judge yourself every day and repent. And then, let me see. If you are weak in an area, well, I've got to have an accountability partner, and you know what that is, to have an accountability partner. Get someone that you can trust and talk to them. Say, hey, I, I have a friend that she will talk to me, and she'll say, hey, Pastor Phyllis, what do you think about this? I did this, this, and this this week. What do you think about this? And so I'll tell her. And so she, I am her accountability partner. I don't think bad of her. I respect her for being honest with me and coming to me and saying, this is what I'm dealing with. Help me. And I do. And, and we're good friends because of it. But get an accountability partner, someone that will pray with you to get you out of problems and to get you out of trouble. And listen, if you know there's an area that you're weak in, stay away from that area. Let's say it's porn. You know what? This is going to be real brash here. Get rid of your computer. If you have to and you can't stay out of porn, get rid of your computer. You say, oh, fellas, okay, then put a, put a filter on it that you're not allowed to see that or bring that in your house. Watch family shows. Don't watch this HBO and all these other things because they're showing nakedness all over the place. If you're prone to affairs, don't be alone with a woman or a man at work. If you're prone to affairs, don't be talking to a woman or a man online. And if you're an alcoholic, now I talked to someone the other day, and he's a good, godly man. I mean, one of the best men I could tell you about, really. And I don't believe he's in any sin at all. And I said, if you could have one temptation, what would that be? What would that be? He said, alcohol. Alcohol. He said, when I go down the, the aisle in the grocery store, it's screaming at me from over here, saying, remember how I used to taste? Oh, didn't I make you feel good? You know, and I don't remember what all he said, but he's saying it's screaming at him. So look, if you know you're weak in an area, stay away from that area. Now, I got two more things here real quick. Um, you don't want to be like Samson. Colossians 3.25 says, A he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong, that's consequences, which he hath done, and there is no respect of person. No respect. So there's going to be consequences to whatever sin you get into. And you don't want that. Church, you don't want that. Now, last but not least, James 4.7 says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Submit means to put yourself under God's command, his laws, his behavior, and the word. Do exactly as he tells you to do. And focus. Focus your mind. When the devil's coming at you with these thoughts, focus your mind upon God. 
Resist means to take a stand against the devil, to exert the energy to oppose and defeat the devil and his temptations. Now, I did this quickly, but, so number one, take control of your thoughts. Number two, choose not to sin. Number three, get in the word and, and learn the word of God so that you can fight the devil like Jesus did when he come. He said, you know, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then judge yourself daily, have an accountability partner, and submit yourself and your lifestyle to God and resist the devil. So, that's my message. <laughs> Dr. O, I did it at exactly 12 o'clock. Now, uh, I want you all to stand up. And we're not going to, we know you're saved, so we're not praying that way. I want you to grab each other's hand. We're all a body. We're a unity. You're a head, you're a toe, you're a finger, you're a fingernail, you're whatever, a leg. And I want you to grab everybody's hand, and we're going to pray this prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word, the precious word of God. And God, I ask you to... Put it in everyone's mind and in their hearts so that they are not forgetting this of how the devil works and how they can get out of it. But God, I ask you that if any of us have danced with the devil, which we all have in some way or another, if we've danced with the devil, God, I ask you to forgive us. Forgive us of our sins. Reinstate us. Not that we're backslidden. We're not. But reinstate us in the grace, in your grace, your favor. And God, I ask you to not let each, not let any of us, any of us deal with the temptations, but that we know how to fight it with the word of God. And Father, we just thank you that you have forgiven us of dancing with the devil. We are now aware to his tactics and his schemes, and we will not do it again. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask this upon all the people that's here in this congregation today, as well as myself, in Jesus' name. Amen and 